0: This is Chang. This is about truth about the rise of China and communism. Of all the international challenges facing America since World War II, the stakes involved with China and America in 2021 are the highest we've ever faced in any country. And it seems like many in our ruling class in America are a little bit too sympathetic to the Chinese. I'd like to ask please to play uh, clip nine.
1: Um, you know, a free China would be in the best interest of the United States. Right now, we have a country there that has declared the United States to be its enemy. In May 2019, People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication of China, because it's the self-described mouthpiece of the Communist Party, um, ran a piece that declared a quote-unquote people's war on the U.S. So they labeled us an enemy. And right now, we've got a president who won't call China an enemy he won't even call them an adversary he says they're a competitor well France is a competitor Germany is a competitor they compete with us within the rules of the current existing international order China is not a competitor it is what they call us an enemy please
0: welcome Gordon Chang
1: Thank you, Debbie. Hello, patriots. Hello, Americans. It's time to fight. It's time to fight because our Republic is under unrelenting attack, not only internally, but externally. And we can lose our country. We can lose our country because, as Debbie said, we have elites, political, business, financial, cultural, academic, military that don't recognize the danger. And we will lose our country unless all of us now stand up and defend it. After all, we have an enemy. And that enemy is the People's Republic of China. What does our enemy want? Well, we've heard a lot of people, Joe Biden, Mark Milley, they talk about it. But here are the facts. The Chinese regime wants to take away our sovereignty and rule the world. It also wants to rule the near parts of the solar system. And yes, I know that does sound like an exaggeration, But no, it's not. With regard to planet Earth, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, wants to end the current Westphalian international order. On July 1st, in a speech that marked the centennial of the founding of China's ruling organization, he said this, quote, the Communist Party of China and the Chinese people, with their bravery and tenacity, solemnly proclaim to the world that the Chinese people are not only good in taking down the old world, but also good in building a new one. Now, by that, he means that China wants the imperial era system where Chinese emperors believe that they not only had the mandate of heaven to rule Tianxia, or all under heaven, but that heaven compelled them to do so. Now, Xi Jinping has been using Tianxia narratives for more than a decade, but recently his pronouncements have become unmistakable. So for instance, in his 2017 New Year's message, he said, quote, the Chinese people have always held that the world is united and all under heaven, and there's that phrase, all under heaven are one family. And if that weren't explicit enough, his foreign minister, Wang Yi, wrote an article in Study Times, which is the authoritative publication of the Central Party School in September 2017. And in that article, the foreign minister wrote, quote, Xi Jinping thought, and in Communist Party lingo, a thought is an important ideological body of work. Wang Yi wrote that Xi Jinping thought made innovations on And transcended the Western theories of international relations of the past 300 years. So you take 2017, you subtract 300, and you almost get to 1648. So Wang, with his time reference, was pointing to the Treaty of Westphalia of 1648, which established the current system of sovereign states. So when Wang Yi says that Xi Jinping wants to transcend that system, what he's really saying is that Chinese leader doesn't want to have any sovereign states or at least no more of them than China. And this means that China is not trying to compete with us within the existing international system, as Biden always says. They don't even want to adjust that system. They want to overthrow it altogether, which means that China, once again, is ruled by a revolutionary. Now with regard to the near parts of the solar system. Since about 2018, Chinese officials have been talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. That's right, the part of the People's Republic of China. And so this means that they believe that those heavenly bodies are like the South China Sea, theirs and theirs alone. And it means that they will exclude us from going there if they get the power to do so. And we don't have to speculate about that because Chinese officials actually say that. In April, Beijing announced the name of its Mars rover and said, oh, it's Zhu Rong, who's the god of fire in Chinese mythology. How nice. What Beijing didn't say was that Zhu Rong was also a god of war and a god of the South China Sea. Well, now that we know what Beijing wants, the question is, how is it going to get it? And we'll talk about three tactics, disease, Subversion and fentanyl. First disease, COVID-19, where did it come from? Okay, so you have Biden on August 27th releasing an unclassified uh, summary of the report of the intelligence community about the origins of the coronavirus. And the IC, as it's called, said, well, you know, it could have been a natural mutation, could have come from a lab leak. We don't know, we have no idea. Well, that's not good enough. But the point is, this report gave us all that we needed to know. And the reason is we don't need perfect information, because if COVID-19 did not start out as a biological weapon, the Chinese turned it into one. Most critically, for at least five weeks, maybe even as many as five months, The Chinese leaders knew that this was a highly contagious disease. But they told the world it was not, not transmissible from one person to the next. At the same time, Xi Jinping was locking down Wuhan and other cities. And I know lockdowns are controversial, but this showed his state of mind that he actually believed that lockdowns work. While Xi Jinping was locking down Wuhan and other cities. He was pressuring other countries not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines on arrivals from China. And it was, of course, those passengers that took a disease that should have been confined to the central part of China and made it a global pandemic. This is the first time in history that one nation has attacked all the others. We don't know what Xi Jinping was, in fact, thinking. But if after having seen the disease cripple his own country, if he wanted to level the playing field by spreading the disease elsewhere, he would have done exactly what he did. And that means 4.7 deaths outside of China are murder. Obviously, we need to impose costs on China for doing this. And we need to do that because the Chinese are working on a new type of biological warfare, as they call it. The 2017 edition of the Science of Military Strategy, which is a publication of China's National Defense University, talks about that new biological warfare of, quote, specific ethnic genetic attacks. In other words, pathogens that will leave the Chinese people immune but sicken and kill everybody else. And this means that the next micro bug virus from China could be a civilization killer leaving China as the world's only viable society. So we need to establish deterrence so the Chinese don't do this. Now the Chinese leadership says, oh no, we do not have a doctrine of unrestricted warfare, which is the title of a book by two Chinese Air Force Colonels in 1999, but unrestricted germ warfare is coming this way nonetheless. Subversion. Beijing is trying to surreptitiously change political opinion in the United States with its troll and other operations. And these operations are enormous dwarfing rushes. So for instance, in June of last year, Twitter took down 174,000 fake Chinese accounts. That's one social media platform, one month, 174,000 accounts. China has been using those troll operations last year to defeat President Trump. This year, they're now pushing, among other things, critical race theory. TikTok, the wildly popular video uh, sharing app, is now pushing in the United States the glorification of drug use, which is one of Beijing's plans that we'll talk about in a moment. Now, engineers working for Daoyun, which is the sister site for TikTok in China, They're the ones that are responsible for working on TikTok's algorithms, including the algorithms that determine which videos your kids see. That means it gives Beijing the ability to, quote-unquote, boost the signal, as national security experts say, which means, in other words, to curate content to show your kids what they want. We talk about TikTok because in July of last year, the State Department closed the Houston Consulate of China. And the question immediately rises, why did they pick Houston? I mean, China had five consulates at the time. Well, state says, oh, the Chinese were using Houston for espionage. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that really describes all of China's diplomatic facilities in the U.S. And I think the reason why they chose Houston was because Beijing was using that consulate to provide logistical and financial support to violent protesters in the United States. Radio Phaesia reports that an intelligence unit of the People's Liberation Army is actually based in the Houston Consulate. And there are those Chinese military officers were using artificial intelligence and big data to identify Americans likely to participate in Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests And then the Chinese military created and sent via TikTok videos on how to riot. This is more than just subversion. This is an act of war. And there are indications that China has gone beyond mere incitement to violence, that they actually have been organizing protests. On the night of May 31st, one block north of the White House, This was the night that St. John's Church was torched. Protesters were heard speaking Mandarin, they were acting in obviously coordinated fashion, and some of them were in fact overheard talking about how the Chinese government organized them to protest on American streets. Now this report and a number of others similar to this are unconfirmed, but they do mirror similar reports about Chinese protesters in Los Angeles and other Southern California locations. And there are other suspicious reports. So, for instance, January of last year, U.S. Customs and Border Protection at the International Falls Port of Entry in Minnesota, they seized 900,000 counterfeit $1 bills from China. Nobody, nobody in China's near-total surveillance state can counterfeit American currency without the regime knowing about it. So this operation obviously had Beijing's blessing. And the question is, what was Beijing up to? Because nobody, nobody counterfeits one dollar bills for profit. My theory, which I don't know if it's true or not, is that Beijing was just trying to support American protesters financially. I don't know. But whatever Beijing was doing, counterfeiting another country's currency is an act of war. A couple months later, May of last year, Louisville Customs and Border Protection this time seizes automatic weapons parts from China. Third tactic, fentanyl. Fentanyl is one of these dozens of opioids that um, the Chinese make in their labs, obviously very deadly. Fentanyl comes in from the United into the United States sometimes directly through the US mail. Other times it comes from the southern border. Because customs and border protection in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California completely overwhelmed, fentanyl is coming into the US across our southern border in record quantities. Chinese fentanyl gangs, they have now set up shop in Vancouver, other places in Canada. Now, These fentanyl gangs are large, well-organized, they use the state banks. China obviously knows what's going on. And many people believe that China's Ministry of State Security actually knows and approves of this, of course, and profits from it. But in any event, Beijing is behind the fentanyl epidemic. Last year, we don't have a really good count on the number of Americans that died from fentanyl, but the number you will hear is about 53,000. That's 53,000 deaths from fentanyl directly, but increasingly, fentanyl mixed with cocaine and methamphetamines. And we Americans should consider each of those 53,000 deaths a murder. Now that we know what China wants and how it's going about getting it, what do we do about it? I've got a plan. It's got seven steps and three more. Running throughout this is the notion that we have to sever our relations with China. This, for many people, is drastic, but we have to do it. And we have to do it because China overwhelms us through every point of contact with our society. The FBI is overwhelmed, local law enforcement's overwhelmed, and indeed, governments and private institutions are overwhelmed. And we have got to cut these contacts until we can be sure that we can maintain our society, our freedoms, our liberties. China's regime is always dangerous. It's not reformable. So contact with it is always going to be problematic for us. So first item, we should cut trade with China. We should not be enriching a hostile regime with our purchasing decisions. This means, among other things, we need to get our businesses off of Chinese soil, especially our pharmaceutical businesses. President Trump last year (laughs) — President Trump last year actually said We've got to go beyond normal business practices, and we have got to have the federal government giving policies to get our businesses off, including a proposed $765 million loan to Eastman Kodak to make the ingredients for pharmaceuticals. Now, Beijing says that decoupling — their word — decoupling, U.S.-China, not possible. We need to make it inevitable. Second item. We need to cut investment into the Chinese stock markets and Chinese companies. President Trump, last year, he issued an executive order, very important, to prevent investment into China's military-linked companies. But we need to go further. We need to cut investment into all Chinese companies. And the reason is that all Chinese companies, one way or another, benefit the Chinese military. Beijing has the doctrine of civil-military fusion, which means that everything that a civilian, nominally civilian, company has is available and directly pipelined to the Chinese military if the generals and admirals want it. So for us, this is going to be an important point we must in addition get our state pension money and american portfolio investors out of china we should not be enriching a hostile chinese regime with our investment decisions third thing we need to eject china's agents from our country i think it was i think it was great that secretary pompeo closed houston But they've got four more consulates. Those should be closed. They've got an embassy in Washington that should be stripped down. Instead of thousands of people in Washington at the Chinese embassy, it should just be the ambassador and his family. We also need to get China's state banks and other state enterprises off of American soil. Fourth, we need to stop China from using its nationals to commit espionage against the United States. Almost every Chinese quote-unquote journalist works for the Ministry of State Security. And we've got to remember that China's 2017 national intelligence law requires every Chinese national, every Chinese organization to spy if demanded. This is our country. We do not have to put up with this. Fifth, simple thing. Very simple thing. We need to demand reciprocity. China does not allow our media into China. We should not allow China's media into our country. China does not allow our apps in China. Well, we should not allow TikTok and the other Chinese apps in our country. We cannot have a Reagan Institute in China. They shouldn't have Confucius Institutes on our college and university campuses. Even more important than the Confucius Institutes, we should not allow them to have about 500 Confucius classrooms in American secondary schools. Sixth thing. We need to end all technical cooperation agreements with China. We should not be giving them the world's best technology for nothing or next to nothing, and we certainly shouldn't be paying them to take our technology. Even today, we have, of course, the Chinese, we have helped the Chinese develop the technology to manipulate coronaviruses to make them more dangerous to humanity. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. And what's what's even worse, after 671,000 American COVID-19 deaths, and I know the figure's controversial, Even if it were only one, after American deaths from this disease, we still have American money funding biological research in Chinese military-linked institutions. Seventh thing, we just should not allow China to buy our tech companies. In 2013, the Obama administration permitted China to buy complete genomics, which has or had the world's largest collection of DNA profiles of Americans. Now China has it. Three more things. First of all, call up your broker, tell him to sell Chinese stocks. Tell him to sell mutual funds, which have Chinese stocks. Second thing, if you can, don't buy goods made in China. Third thing, demand that websites include cool information. That's cool as in C-O-O-L, country of origin labeling. At least let us make informed decisions about the products we buy and where they come from. Of course, we should make this law. Senate Bill 1260. The United States Innovation and Competition Act includes cool legislation, thanks to Rick Scott, the Florida Republican senator. That bill is now sitting in the House. We should make it law. We should not be helping China with our everyday purchasing decisions. Now of course all of this is going to be hard. It's going to take political will. We are gonna have to be educating, we're gonna have to be grassroots organizing, we're gonna have to be voting for candidates who will unswervingly oppose the Chinese regime and defend America. And yes, this is going to be extremely difficult because as Debbie said, China's bought our elites. But what are we going to say to our children and grandchildren when they realize that we had the means to protect them and we chose not to do so? Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to take back our country. This time is consequential. This moment is our Lexington and Concord. America, America is worth fighting for. And with all of you in the fight, I know we will prevail. God bless America.
0: And I'd like to introduce our next uh, speaker. We have Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. um, And he's going to be talking about... um, Marxism in America's military, and, you know, I think many of you here were aware of his story, but he wrote a book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military, Uh, and he was a Space Force commander, wrote this book, and did very public interviews about his concerns about Marxism in the American military, uh, and he's no longer with the military. So I do want to ask, uh, very quickly, if you can play clip 11. I know I'm jumping around. You have clip 11?
2: I think... Our senior leaders and our national leaders need to think very carefully about whether or not they want to inject tribalism into our our long-trusted institutions in this country that typically have not been infected with tribal thinking with all that that uh, entails. Do we really want to walk the road that will cause us to abandon Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, dream of having a colorless society where, in fact, we're... Starting once again to judge people and by the color of their skin
0: Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer
2: Thanks, Debbie I would have proposed up front that perhaps uh, Katie Hopkins should speak after lunch (laughs) But I'll tell you uh If you listened uh, to what Gordon has just shared, and that doesn't keep you awake, (laughs) then you're asleep. (laughs) Because, um, and I'll say, by the way, as a very recently separated Space Force officer, everything that Gordon just told you about China's ambitions in space is 100% spot on. Uh, That is something uh, in particular that I've paid attention to and studied and have good friends who know what they're talking about and have chatted with them about those very issues. It's of great concern, and it's not a fairy tale, and it's not science fiction. So thanks, Gordon, for sharing that. I want to read to you just one quote that comes out of my book. This is from Friedrich Hayek in his book uh, that's over a half century old the road to serfdom. The chance of imposing a totalitarian regime on a whole people depends on the leaders first collecting around him a group which is prepared voluntarily to submit to that totalitarian discipline which they are to impose by force upon the rest. Think of that. That's precisely what you're seeing take place in our country at the moment. And not just in our country, but throughout Western civilization. uh, Frankly, it's a global phenomenon. And surprisingly, probably much to your dismay as it was to mine, this is not a phenomenon that uh, the, the military service members that we have long trusted are exempted from because these influences, like water, find their way into every crack and crevice in our society, and they found their way into the United States military. I was grateful to serve in our armed forces for over 15 years. I went to the Air Force Academy to begin my military journey over 20 years ago. And as I've been thinking an awful lot about ugly things in the past six months, as many of us have, it's actually been nearly a year now, I suppose, Uh, I recalled a speech that Lincoln had given in 1858 at the Illinois Republican State Convention the day after it was announced that he would be the Republican candidate for Senate. It's come to be known as the House Divided Speech. I'd never read the entire thing, so I decided a few weeks back I'd go read it. And I'm going to read to you from his speech. It was directed at Stephen A. Douglas, who wasn't present. He says, if we could first know where we are and whither we are tending, we could better judge what to do and how to do it. And that's in part the purpose of these kinds of gatherings is for us to help facilitate one another's education, first and foremost, to generate and inspire in each of us some motive force so that we can go out into the world courageously and actually do something. But you have to be properly oriented if you expect to do the right things. And without the proper orientation, you can be all sorts of active. And uh, in fact, the left is all sorts of active and they get a whole lot done uh, just by clamoring a great deal because it causes a climate of fear. And then people are stifled in their in their action and we need to rise above that, and if you don't now, you're probably going to lose your country. Lincoln goes on to say, we are now far into the fifth year since a policy was initiated with the avowed object and confident promise of putting an end to slavery agitation. Under the operation of that policy, that agitation has not only not ceased, but has constantly augmented. In my opinion, Lincoln says, It will not cease until a crisis shall have been reached and passed." And then the famous line, which we've all heard, despite whether or not we've ever read his speech, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He goes on to say, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Now, I'm going to correct something here. I want to point out, if you're not already aware, and perhaps this group is, that Lincoln's statement, a house divided against itself, cannot stand as a quotation from somewhere else. Okay? It comes from Matthew 12 might be other places but uh... at least comes from a confrontation that ensues there between jesus and an obstinate group of pharisees who are beside themselves that he's cast out a demon and they make an accusation against him that he's done it by the power of the devil and that's where the statement comes but he doesn't say it quite the same way that Lincoln says it in this address. And so I'm going to correct the quote for you because unfortunately for all of us and for our country, it's a bit more ominous than Lincoln painted the picture. And it's prophetic. And this is the perfect group to share it with. Jesus said it in this way, at least in the King James Version, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation Semicolon. and every city and every house divided against itself shall not stand. It's not just a catchy truism that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's a prophecy and it's verily true. So my prophecy is just that if we remain divided we shall fall and we will be brought to desolation now that is bad news and i was telling a few people since i've been here that i try not to strip hope from audiences so i'm going to now talk about a few other things about what we can do but i'm going to i'm going to mention first just for a few minutes my own experience in the military so that you can understand if you haven't heard already some of what's going on there What what critical race theory, which has a Marxist lineage of ideas, looks like in practice in our armed forces, as it does in many other places, the impact that it's having on our young service members, what I tried to do about it, and what we ought to do about it. And I have hope still that it's possible that we can extract ourselves from the troubles that lie ahead, incident to divisiveness, if we can simply get educated speak rationally to those within society who actually still value truth, reason, and logic. And there are plenty, somewhere in between the absolutely insane and maybe where you good people sit in this room, there are people who unwittingly pursue this kind of agenda still today. So hopefully we can help. And you know, one voice can do a tremendous amount of good and that might just be your voice in whatever sphere of influence you operate. So, briefly, I want to share this. After the death of George Floyd, the military services, much like you saw throughout the rest of society, began mandating discussions on race, but they took various forms. Diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings have been around for some time, but that was what we heard where we sat in various military institutions at the lower levels of service, we heard that we had a DNI training day, and they often came in the form of down days. Down days is where you take a knee from the operational mission and you get to participate in another training activity where you devote all of your time and attention. And we had quite a few of these. In the June to July timeframe last year, we had 19 emails come from my base commander to the base about race discussions. Uh, that same social justice activist-based commander, who's been promoted to one-star general, <clears throat> even though I'm out of the service at the moment, I'll be careful what I say, um, he, had, he called the white employees into his office, showed them pictures of the, of the current sitting commander-in-chief and his cabinet and ask them what the problem was with the picture. We don't know. Why don't you tell us? Well, they're all white. That's the problem. Go home and watch these YouTube videos about uh, race. Now, he was an activist. He was spreading critical race theory tenets throughout the, the base at which he served as the commander. Every base was somewhat different and uniquely situated. I wouldn't pretend to say that every base was experiencing what I was, but mine was like a communist compound. You're gonna hear more about this later, but it was Buckley Air Force Base in Colorado. The emails would send out videos to the service members that they were to watch prior to showing up for the discussions so that they could appreciate what the proper perspective on these issues was. Now, you can imagine, They were all very politicized videos that we were watching, and they were very left-leaning. So, I began to see young people come into my office of all races and political affiliations. And by the way, I'm not inherently political. I've been trained my entire adult life to be apolitical. I've not cared what people's political affiliation is. I'm beginning to, a great deal. But more for me is about principles, and our military, there's good reason we're asked to be apolitical. Let the civilian population have their moment of polarization, civil strife, and tension. That's not for us to get involved with. And when politics rapidly makes its way into the military environment, guess what happens to our armed forces? They begin to divide just like you see happening currently throughout the rest of the country. The last thing on earth you want is for your young men and women in in uniform to not be unified any longer around a common mission and a common identity, and and around their oath to support and defend the Constitution. Part of the emails we were getting contained videos demonizing the Constitution. He should be fired. Part of the emails and the videos that came out talked about how it's a lie that our country was founded by decent men in 1776 and instead pushed the New York Times 1619 Project narrative. The only reason we had a revolution was to secure for white dictators white supremacy policy that they could then enforce upon an oppressed class of people. Now, true enough, we have our troubles in history. The kind of divisive rhetoric that was daily and weekly foisted upon our young service members Ought to have landed some people right out of their military careers and had their bags been sent packing and, and gone home and found a new uh, life in the civilian world but it didn't I had these young people that I mentioned coming to me and explaining that they were losing the desire to serve in the Armed Forces I had a young black female in my office say I was never raised to believe this way but since being at this base and participating in our diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings, I've come to recognize that I'm not only an outsider in my country, but I'm an outsider in the service. So me and my first sergeant had to explain to her why that's not true. I Had a chaplain sit down with me and explain to me that all whites are racist and he'd like to help me figure out how to solve this problem. I had a young white male come to me, Air Force Academy graduate, say he and all of his friends across. The Air Force and Space Force are leaving as soon as their commitment is up because they're tired of being accused of being racist. I had a young Asian male sit in my office and explain to me why he's determined to leave the armed forces It's because clearly the military only cares about the black versus white divide. These are utterly unacceptable things to have happening in our military. So I got every leader in my chain of command involved and talked to them about it. Well before I ever pretended to think about writing a book. Talk to all of them in person or on the phone all the way up to the top. And I mean that. And they all thanked me profusely for bringing up the issue that they were gonna try and fix. But apparently, it doesn't matter how many stars you wear on your shoulder, in the current political environment and under the current administration, our general officers who even care, don't have the power to change this radical political impulse that's sweeping across our military. So I filed a formal Inspector General's Office complaint with the Space Force in November. They sat on that through November, December and January. January 6th comes and goes. The next day I received a written response dismissing my complaint. I had outlined illegal racial discrimination, radical political activism, things that our senior leaders actually do care a great deal about not existing in our armed forces, at least the ones I know. There's some others I've seen in the news recently who I do not respect and who seem wittingly now to push this agenda. This has to be fixed. My complaint was dismissed. The Secretary of Defense issued an order for every service member and every commander to institute another down day to discuss white supremacy and white extremism within the ranks because that was one of the greatest threats we face as a country. Totally false. That is not a problem we have in our ranks. We have many good patriotic country-loving service members in uniform of all races, and frankly, up until now, as far as I know, of all political affiliations or non-political affiliations. We have good people who signed up for a very particular cause to serve their country. And they're being disabused of any appreciation they have for their country. So, I determined to write a book in the aftermath of all of that because if anyone can speak up about this, intelligently, Marxist ideology, critical race theory, usually they exist outside of the services because they've been spending their life studying these things. And if they're in the services, they don't dare speak up about it. Or they don't possess enough of an appreciation about the history of all of this. And so I happened to be at the ground level, seeing what was taking place in our armed forces, had possessed some understanding of the issue, and so I wrote a book. I started it in December, and I finished it in April, and I published it in May 1st. And the letter that Debbie just mentioned, Flag Officers for America, that came out the very next week about the threat of Marxism. That's what my book is about. I didn't know about the organization. I hadn't heard of Flag Officers for America. It was a second witness that there's a lot of concerned people about what's taking place. Then Mark Levin announced that he had a book coming out, American Marxism. I was really glad it, my book came out before his because <laughs> he might have sued me. <laughs> so. Let me mention this too, by the way. As I wrote that book under the burden of a spiritual compulsion to do so, I went on walks with my family out around the base. And uh, keep in mind it's in Aurora, Colorado, in a very busy city, not too far from the Denver airport, maybe 20 miles. And as we walked as a family, I just begun authoring that book. we were out walking with our kids and a bald eagle came and circled right over our heads. And I've never seen that before at Buckley Air Force Base. And once again, it happened to me and a third time to my wife while she was walking. We've never seen it since I finished publishing my book. The whole time I wrote that book. And I took it personally as an evidence that the heavens took note (laughs) of some effort that was underway. So, I think Debbie's getting ready to stand up. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you at the end of my book, I offered some very apolitical, principle-based recommendations to the American people. Because, by the way, to me, Marxist ideology isn't a bipartisan, it's not a partisan issue. Shouldn't be. We fought an entire Cold War trying to contain communism, and sending Americans to their deaths to contain Marxist ideology. Hundreds of thousands of lives lost in over a half century. It's not a partisan issue. It's anti-American. Everyone in this country should unite in the fight against a communist Chinese regime that seeks to subvert America's founding philosophy. So I suggest at the end of that book that people ought to avoid anger and violence. I wanted to make that very clear up front. I in no way advocate for violence. I certainly couldn't as a service member, but I wanted to make that clear. I want people to understand they have to be courageous. Now is the time. They have to get educated because no one likes to try and speak up in public and not know what they're talking about. If you're going to speak up and you're going to be courageous, you have to know what you're talking about. You have to speak up. You have to live not by lies. That's Alexander Solzhenitsyn's phrase. And you have to pay attention to what's going on around you in the community. Those are secular, like recommendations but to this good group of people I'd like to read it another way and this will be my closing thought if I can have 45 more seconds Debbie (laughs) from Rome just under 2000 years ago Paul put it a different way but the recommendations are very similar and in fact they're more true than the recommendations that I gave at the end of my book but the principles Now, how you can translate this into action is up to you, but it needs to be done if you expect to retain your liberty. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's that word again, stand. Every city and house divided against itself shall not stand. The same theme shows up here. You have to put on the whole armor if you expect to stand in the days ahead. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. I mean, and you don't even have to be offensive when you speak the truth like Katie. (laughs) You don't even have to give offense. And plenty of people will take offense anyway, but be you, authentically you, and take a stand for what's right. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. A lot of my recommendations are in here. You figure out how to go take action and and incorporate that into your life, and I think each of you can make a big difference in your country, because this is the kind of national repentance, societal repentance, and individual repentance that's required. That's what our country is founded on. Thank you.
1: America, can we talk? Truth about America.